Okay, Erev Tov. We begin Parshas Vayera. <coughs> and obviously, we're going to be discussing the uh, 10th test of Avram. And whatever Avram was able to accomplish in his tests, he, he has in, bequeathed this to be in our spiritual DNA. And therefore, that's something that we are able to accomplish as well. And we all have tests. <coughs> and although we have spoken in other classes what the nature of a test is, I think last week we mentioned going against your nature, yeah. was one aspect of the test. But there's more than one aspect that you have to analyze in a test. You may want to go against your nature, but then you have to understand what is it that one should do. And we will explain how this works. This class hopefully has three parts. And as time allows, we'll uh, do each part at a time. We have to at least get the first two parts in. And the third part will be, uh, will be a cherry on the cake if we can get it done. So let's begin with the uh, first source. It's the beginning of the section with the test. This, uh, I don't have that much Hebrew on here. And it came to pass after these things that God, Elohim, uh, tested Avram. Go away to the land of Moriah and bring him up there for a burnt offering on one of the mountains. Okay, this was, it came to pass that Hashem tested Avram. So the first question that has to be asked is why is this only called Avram's test and not Yitzhak's test? That's the first question because after all, Yitzhak is 37 years old and he may not necessarily want to get uh, slaughtered as a Korban Tashem. So we've discussed this in the past. Does anybody remember some of the answers we've said? Well, so you could say this was more in line with Yitzchak's uh, Mida of Gvura, so then he could die. It's okay. He believes in justice. So if he's meant to die, he'll die. Well, Avram's a man of chesed, and therefore it's not, uh, it's a much bigger test for him. Okay, so that really goes along the lines of what we said last week to go against one's nature. So that's fine. But let's see if we can uh, dig deeper and find other differences over here. We know that Yitzhak knew what was happening. Oh, yeah. Did Yitzchak know what's happening? What do you mean? Well, not initially. What do you mean, did Yitzchak know what's happening? Did he, did he believe that he was going to be... Yeah. He only no. was told what's going to happen when they ascended the mountain. Yeah. He actually right. said... That's what I said. Right, that As point. they were uh, after three days, yeah. and they're ascending the mountain, and Yitzchak saying, where is the right. Korban? So then Avram said, you're going to be the Corbin. So it was only at that point. It was only, only at that, at that point. point. Yeah, but he understood. But Yitzchak understood that he was going to be the Corbin. So that is clear. But the test was a much shorter amount of time. Right, that's right. And that is, but the Torah does not call it Yitzchak's test. That's the point. The Torah goes out of its way to say it's Avram's test. So obviously... Why is it not Yitzhak? So aside from that first reason. Is this reason, the first time that 
It's mentioned that it's a test of Avraham. This is his yes. tenth test. Yes, so this one is, is a big one. Right, but I'm just saying the other nine tests weren't mentioned as tests. Right. Well, there's a medrash that says that, that as it were, Hashem said, listen, you've passed everything till now, but if you fail this test, then it's like you failed everything. So then, really, everything relies on this. That's another parsha class. There's so much over here. Okay, but that's the simplest question. I'm sorry? Does Hashem tell him that? Tell him what? That this is the test? Yeah. And if you fail... That's what the Medrash brings, yeah. Because if he tells him, then for sure he's going to pass it. He's going to say, okay, forget it. Whatever happens, it's a test. Okay, so we will see. We will see. Okay. Second source. Now it's a time where Avram's about to kill Yitzchak. And all Malach comes in source two. And he said, do not stretch forth your hand to the lad, nor do the slightest thing to him. For now I know that you are a God-fearing man, and you did not withhold your son. You're only one from me. So, and now I know. Oh. And now I know. So what does that mean? What did he not know until now? Let's look in source three, what Hashem knew at the beginning of the parsha when he decides to tell Avram about Stom. He says, for I have known him because he commands his sons and his household after him, that they should keep the way of the Lord to perform righteousness and justice, nor the Lord bring upon Avram that which he had spoke concerning him. So Hashem knows he's pretty good. So what's this now I know? It's interesting, the Cleocar uh, says the word Ato does not always have to mean now, it's like Hine, behold. Uh, but again, again, what what is added more that now he knows? Okay, so the Medrash says, if you fail this test, it's like you failed all the others, but still, Avram was pretty good. What is making this test so uniquely different than everything else? That what? How is this qualitatively different than all the other tests? Test against Hizkhasa. Yeah, okay, that's one answer, but he's already been tested against Hizkhasa a number of times. He threw out Yishmael. He waited so long to have a son, and then finally when he's of a certain age, he says, okay, you're going to have a son. So I waited this long for this? Maybe it affects somebody else, not just him. Okay. It's the end of the legacy. I mean, that's what... Okay, okay, these are all, these are all good answers, all good answers. Okay, let's move on to number four. <laughs> let's move on to number four. So, um, Rashi brings down, after Hashem said, okay, you're not going to kill him. So, Avram said to Hashem, I will explain my complaint before you. Yesterday, meaning in the past, not yesterday, but in the past. You said to me, for in Yitzchak will be called your seed. So you're saying that the Jewish people are going to come from, will continue through Yitzchak. Yeah. And you retracted and said, take your son and offer him up as a Corbin. Now you say, do not stretch forth your hand to the Laird. Like, what's going on? <laughs> so Hashem said, I shall not profane my covenant, nor shall I alter the utterance of my lips. And that's I always tell the truth. When I said to you, take, I was not altering the utterance of my lips. I did not say to you, slaughter him, but bring him up. You have brought him up. Now take him down. Okay. So there's an obvious question here. 
once he uh, he's at Avram's whatever uh, asking questions on Hashem after the story's over like whoosh I don't have to kill him but I still have a complaint well if there was a complaint we think it would be offered a little earlier than now he could have just said you said before Hashem that Yitzchak will be called your seed and you retracted and you said take your son that's a good time to start asking questions but no, when I says, no, don't kill him. So now I say, well, what do you want? Well, I wouldn't ask any question then. <laughs> okay, good. I don't have to kill him. How about before he kills him, does someone ask? That's an interesting point. He said, bring him up. So bring him up by the mountain. Put him on the altar if all he had to do was bring him up the mountain. Is it, no, he said bring him up on the as altar. Yeah, no, he was saying but, bring him up as an altar. Give me, you got a chumash. It says you bring him up okay, as let's, an altar. Okay, that's the problem when I do everything in English. When I want, it says bring him up as an altar. Okay, let's look at the exact words, please. This is it's just a question that gets all answered when we look in the Hebrew. I presume you brought animal offerings before this was... Okay, you're looking at the English. Don't ever ask questions from the English. And if, and if I'm not detailing you, that means it's not an important point. He says, Bring him up there as an Ola. Okay, bring him up there as a... Bring him up there as an Ola. Very clear. Hashem, Hashem, I didn't say slaughter him as an Ola. I said bring him up there as an Ola. What's an Ola? An Ola is an offering. Who would bring an offering up and then bring it down again? Well, God, God could. I'm just saying that if God said, did I lie? If God would have said bring him up there and slaughter him. Semantics. Well, semantics makes all the difference in the world. Bring him up there as an Ola, as an elevation offering. Didn't say finish the offering. Okay. So, okay, fine, fine, fine. I mean, this is good discussion. You, you'll see why in a minute. Hang on. Let's. I, 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 I understand what everybody's uh, agitating about. It's very good. Okay. So. Uh, but still, if, if there was a time for him to ask a question, when should he have asked yeah, the question? Yeah. Before. Because he was a God-fearing person. He said, okay, God. Okay, so what are you asking God. for now? Now, now you say, okay. Why is there an ask? To What's the ask for? He's trying to make sense of it all. He's trying to make sense? No. Oh, he didn't have to make sense before? So he's following instructions now. So what do you got to ask for now? Either, either what God says is okay by you, you keep your mouth shut. And if you have a question, you ask a question when the question is relevant. It's just as relevant. So just because your kid got saved, you, so what, why are you asking any questions now? Yeah. I do whatever you say. You tell me he's going to, all, all my family's going to come from him. Fine, thank you. You tell me to go up and kill him. Fine, no problem. Don't take him down. Fine, no problem. If something's bothering somebody, let's get to the point where it would have bothered him. Should have bothered him the contradiction to have his kid be killed. The fact that, oh no, you don't have to. So, okay. So, 
Why now can he ask questions? Why is it any better if he's asking questions? And he's asked questions of Hashem in the past. Yeah, can't remember specifically, but all the stories about am I going to have a child? No, he never said am I going to have a child. He, he, just, he just he just said I have a lot of reward, but I don't. It's nothing no, for me if I don't have any. Aren't I too old to have one? He didn't say I'm too old to have one. No, he did say he says when Hashem asked him. He told him you're going to inherit. You're going to make your child. Uh, he inherit to a child. He said he did I don't not have any children. He didn't know. No, okay, I don't maybe know. Why okay, I, I'm not negating your questions, but if I'm going to spend the whole class getting through these little nitpicking things, which is fine, I'm not going to get to the main agenda for today. Okay, so he could have. But again, if. If we're saying criticizing Hashem is a fault, then don't do it, period. You can't pick and choose when you want to criticize. And if I'm going to criticize, I'm going to criticize before you want me to kill my kid. And once my kid's saved, what, is, what do I need to criticize for? It's nothing to criticize. If you so want to ask that, was there any problem with the Ola offering that he has brought? He didn't say that. He didn't say that. He said, God, make up your mind. Going back and forth so many times, that's all he says. But none of it's a criticism. I will explain my complaint before you. Okay? Yesterday you said this. Then you said this. Now you say this. What's going on? Okay. Afterwards you can ask this. Why? Why? First he said, okay, to bring it. Now he's saying not to take it. So fine. So so now why should he ask anything now either? Just in case he changes his mind again. Okay, I'm moving on. I'm moving on. What? doesn't want to go down and come back. So then don't ask anything now either. Too much of a journey, yes. I want to understand it, but the fact that he didn't ask before shows the greatness. Any one of us would have asked before, but the fact that he didn't, doesn't that sort of... But what does he need to... What people going to say to him? Why did your God change your mind? First of all, nobody knows what happened. Nobody, just he and Yitzchak. Nobody knows. Not even Yishmael. Nobody knows. Nobody read the book yet. We, we, we didn't get the Torah yet. Okay, it was just him and Yitzchak. Even Yishmael and Eliezer didn't know what they were doing. They thought they were just going to bring a corpus. Nobody knew what was going on. There's nothing to answer to anybody. Avram does not know that God's going to write a Torah afterwards and all this. And it just... You know, either way, you're happy, you're happy. If you're not happy, you're not happy. Well, so, happy. why is Adam asking a question? He's a smart guy. You should have realized, oh, it was a test. Once you, Hashem couldn't tell it was a test before, but after it happens, he can really? say, yeah, all this is a test. Mm-hmm. Okay, so then why is he asking a question then? That's what I'm saying. I don't know why he's asking a question. Well, yeah, ask questions. If I'm Adam, you have been tested before, this obviously was a test. Obviously. Okay, ask question in the past when God sent angels for Sodom, Egypt, after you ask questions that time also. No, Abraham wanted to make sure that he gave everything he's supposed. He wanted to clarify. Well, he said, he said, he said, he, said, he, brought, a, he brought a ram. Well, even with the angel, he said, can't I nick it? Like, can't I do something? So he said, no. But right. then he said, okay, I'll bring a ram. Okay. But I mean, it wouldn't have been much of a test if he'd understood Hashem the way Hashem was asking him to do it. Just bring him up and bring him back down again. That's not much of a test. Okay. So, like, I mean, the real test is sacrificing his son, not just bringing him up to the top of the mountain and bringing him down again. So, what was so? So, what's, maybe your, he's asking, what's your question? Maybe Paul? he's asking 
If that's what you wanted, Hashem, that wasn't really a test. It wasn't? It's not a test. If he, if, if, well, if he, was about, he was about to slaughter him. No, but if he was a second away from killing him. No, but Avram didn't understand the instructions. If the instructions were just bring him up and bring him down, it's not much of a test. He took him on a trip. Bring him up as an offer. What else do you do? But the fact that he was willing to do it, he didn't know God was going to back out in the last but did, minute. But Hashem's, not, Hashem's saying, I didn't back out. You just misunderstood me. I never said sacrifice. Okay. So if, if we just if you just misunderstood Hashem, so you're asking why is it a test? Yeah. Okay, fine. Good question. Let's continue. Let's continue. So now, source five, and now Avram names the place Hashem Yireh, which means on the mountain the Lord will be seen. Okay, that makes sense. On the mountain the Lord will be seen. But the Jerusalem Targum says, instead of you will be seen, it is you are the one who can see, but you cannot be seen. Hashem Yireh, Hashem can see, but nobody can see him. So what is the insight that Targum is telling us? I mean, everybody knows that. <laughs> everybody knows Hashem is seen, can see and doesn't see. Okay, let's move on a little bit more. Source number seven. So the Malach says, okay, this is what you're getting now. By myself I have sworn, says the Lord, that because, now why is he going to be rewarded? Because you have done this thing and did not withhold your son, your only one. Okay? that I will surely bless you and I will greatly multiply your seed as the stars of the heavens and as the sand that's on the seashore and your descendants will inherit the city's enemies and through your children shall be blessed all the nations of the world because you hearken to my voice now why is he getting all these yummy things there seems to be two causes. because you have done the thing that you did not withhold your son and because you hearken to my voice that seems to be the same thing to me why you gotta say it twice? And even better, you done the thing, uh, this thing you did not with all your son. You hearken to my voice. I don't know. Hearken to his voice. If some didn't want to slaughter him. Hearken to my voice is you didn't ask questions. Okay, so let's let's see what, what's there. It's not a bad idea. Let's look in source eight. And this is very important. The Rambam in Nordam Vulchim, and Paul will get there about three years. Towards the end of morning, I can't even get it. Nine thirty tonight. I'm struggling. Right As now. for the story of Avram at the Cade, at the Akeda, it contains two great notions that are fundamental principles of the law. The second notion, the one we need to know first, consists in consists in making known to us the fact that the prophets consider. As true that which comes to them from God in a prophetic revelation. In other words, when a prophet, a true prophet, gets a message from God, it's true. When he hears from God, it's true. For it should not be thought that when they hear or what have appears to them in a parable is not certain and is commingled, commingled with illusion just because it comes about in a dream and in a vision, as we make clear. In other words, they're getting it in dreams. Maybe they're not getting it right. Maybe they don't understand what God's saying. So no, 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 no. Accordingly, Scripture wished to make known to us that all that is seen by the prophet in the vision of prophecy is, in the opinion of the prophet, a certain truth 
that the prophet has no doubts in any way concerning anything in it and that in his opinion its status is the same as that of all existent things that are apprehended through the senses or through the intellect in other words he's saying prophecy is real a proof for this is the fact that Avram hastened to slaughter as he had commanded his son his only son whom he loved even though this command came to him in a dream or in a vision now if a dream of prophecy had been obscure for the prophets or if they had doubts or incertitude concerning what they apprehended in a vision of prophecy they would not have hastened to do that which was repugnant to nature and Avram's soul would not have consented to accomplish an act of so great importance if there had not if there had been a doubt about it so the Rambam is of the opinion and this is true I mean the fact is true the question about the proof he says when a prophet a true prophet not a phony prophet a proof prophet gets a prophecy it's true that's it it's not just dreams and here's a proof now that's true no one's going to argue on that the proof is you see if it's obscure then why would Avram really willing to kill his son hmm. that's the way the Rambam takes this approach and with this approach we've got a lot of questions mm-hmm. we've got a lot of questions where did he get that it was given in a dream well no they all get it in a dream that's a fact that's why Hashem spoke directly that's all a dream that's all a dream. Okay. Well, any, everybody Moshe. got in dreams. Nobody gets direct. Even Nobody except Moshe. Except Moshe. Moshe gets it clear as a bell, like we're talking to each other. Everybody else okay. get, comes in a dream. But he's pointing out the fact that it's a dream doesn't take away from the fact of the veracity of the words. Mm-hmm. And don't think, well, you know, it's a dream. So it's ready. He, he's making mistakes and this and that. Nice. So you see by Avram, if there was any doubt... He wouldn't have sacrificed his son. But is that why he asked the questions then? Because if it had, if it was true for him in the dream and it didn't come out that way in reality, that's why he asked the question, asked Hashem the questions afterwards. Well, there's been three times God has come to him in dreams, right? In dreams, he told him you're going to have the, your descendants will come from Yitzhak. In a dream, told him to him sacrifice your son. In a dream, tells him don't sacrifice your son. So, but but this Rambam, we still have a lot of the questions that have not been answered. So I, I'm just uh, bringing this Rambam just to show how honest we're being here and how the, we, we now are going to leave the Nigla world and go into the Hasidic world, the Kabbalistic world, to get a whole different insight. Okay, now that we've given the Rambam fair, and Rambam is no small fry, but uh, that's the Rambam's position. So Rabbi, before you go ahead, now ready? what? Let me before I go on. That fact the Rambam says is a true fact. When the Navi hears it, it's clear. The proof we could question. Mm-hmm. Okay, and there seem to be midrash. What we'll have to see. So Rabbi, so when he is gone to slaughter, that time he's not in a dream. When he's going to slaughter, that time Hashem talks to him directly, or an angel talks to him. It's, it's some well the angel tells him yeah. to stop angel, yeah but that is not a dream tells him yeah. you know I don't know it could also be um, so that it's not him in the dream <laughs> no he could just uh, have fainted he could have fainted and God speaks to him 
he faints, and Hashem speaks to him, whatever. Hmm. Okay, so now what we want to do is go to the Karshnit Sarmadid, who was a student of the Mesut uh, Sarmadid, I think, or the early, early Hasidim. And they got it in Hebrew and in English. And he asks a really good question. He asks a really good question. I'm going to read the Hebrew and then we'll finish. Number nine. Number nine. He says, there's English right below it. When a person is tested, when Hashem tests anyone, it's most likely at that moment of the test, as it were, Master Hashem conceals His holiness. And He diminishes the perception that the person had beforehand. Because if the person's perception is as clear during the test as it is before the test, it wouldn't be a test. There's no question. Anyone who's standing literally in front of an awesomely powerful king. So Yimrbo, he's not going to rebel against Vura and he's looking at him. Right? Yeah. But in Yunanisoyan, what's the idea of a test? Shemistalek Behirus Hadam. Hashem removes the clarity that the person had. He comes into the test. He's not clear. But Kovesh Yitzro, he overcomes his Yitzhah with his faith in Hashem. And he strengthened himself to go back to Hashem and get that clarity. That's what it means. He stands up to the test. And therefore, Mistama, it's likely that Hashem tested Avram with the words of Kedar. After he said to him, take your child. At that point, so that closeness vanished, that clarity vanished. The test him if he would stand up to his um, test. And he proves this. As you see in source number 10, on the third day it says, and on the third day Avram filled up, lifted up his eyes and saw the place from afar. And Avram said to his young man, stay here with the donkey and I and the lad will go yonder and we will prostrate ourselves and return to you. What does he mean? He saw the place from afar. So again, we got the Avodas Yisrael continues. And I'm really sorry, I don't have English on that part. Okay, so you got to look, just listen. He says, and this can, I'll such as paraphrase. And this could be the meaning where it says, and he saw the place from afar. Because we know one of the nicknames of Hashem is the place. Hashem is the place of everything. So therefore, what does it mean? He sees Hashem from afar. Meaning to say, he doesn't have that same 
uh, comprehension of closeness to Hashem that he had in other times. He doesn't feel this closeness. Now he's trying to figure out, well, what's the reason for it? Well, maybe it's because I got these two spiritually compromised people with me. And maybe if, because remember, uh, if you look at the next couple sources, and I believe it's 12. This is Elias and Yishma. 12 and 13, yes. Because he says to them, you stay with the donkeys. And in source 12, it says a nation similar to a donkey. Right. You guys are like donkeys. Yeah. And we know in last week's Parsha, after Lot separated from Avram, Hashem spoke to him. And Rashi says in source 13, as long as the wicked man was with him, the divine speech withdrew from him. So Avram understood, oh, you know, you know what? God gave me the command. When he gave me that command, we were alone. He told me to slaughter my son. And now I'm going, and the clarity isn't there anymore. Oh, maybe it, I see the mountain. Doesn't only mean I saw, I saw the place, but I, I'm saying Hashem, and he's far from me. I don't understand what he wants from me. And he wants to say, well, maybe the confusion is because I'm with these two spiritual uh, impaired yeah. people and that's blocking my connection to Hashem so what does he say okay you know you say that I'm going to go up with my son and it says the two of them went together but they went together what in the same level so to speak and mean to say that just like Yitzchak at the point was clueless as to what was going on so Avram too was still clueless as to what's going on. Okay, so therefore he's he's he doesn't really understand what's going on over here. Okay, so this is what the test is about. Now we have to explain the next part because there's a lot that he's leaving open here. But he basically, what he's saying is like this: when you understand exactly what's asked from you and you know you're going through a test, it isn't a test. Only if you're not sure what you should be doing and that clarity is missing, then we can say you're in a test. Okay, we'll give examples uh, a little bit later in a minute. But, uh, but if you know what the test is, then how could that be a test? A test can only be where you're lacking clarity. Now, where's the lacking of clarity come from? Well, that's gonna be part number two. Part number one alone does not help you enough. It's just saying that, okay, there's gotta be a lack of clarity for there to be a test. Um, but, uh, you know, let, let's say one of the tests that's going around now, as much as you may appreciate or not, is should you not go on vacation now? Okay, so as I said in Shul on Shabbos, we were supposed to go November 12th, a nice place to go, canceled. And I just spoke to the guy who we're renting from tonight, and he understood, I understand. You get the deferral? He deferred it. He said, when it will work it out, maybe the price will go up a little bit, you might, pick, you might be picking a high time, but I'll take it at what you gave as a credit. Okay, I got to call Air Canada and lose two hundred dollars. Not a big deal, but it just uh, the Gedolim said it's not right to go on vacation at this time. Okay, there's other people who are more conflicted, and 
really feel they need their vacation. So that's a test. Right? Do you understand what I'm you saying? Don't know what the right thing to ah, do. you don't know what the right thing to do is. Okay. So anyway, that's that's an example of a test. If it's clear as day, then there's no test. But when it's not clear, that's when it's a test. Now we have to discuss what makes something not clear. And obviously, see this he's parting ways with the Rambam significantly. He's saying that the Rambam is saying, like, if he's willing to kill his son, it must be he had a clear vision. But but the Avodis is also, yeah, but it, it, it wasn't that clear, and we'll see in a minute what. There might be a way to resolve the Ramwellans, but that would take a lot more uh, discussion, which I don't have time for. But that that's part one. But now we have to get to the real important part here. Is So what are the mechanics of how you lose your clarity? And where does it come from? In other words, how is it possible that Avram doesn't have clarity? Oh, so there was... Oh, it's interesting. The... Uh, the uh, uh, in 14, the... Chaf, the it's, it's not the Chafetz Yavitz. The Chacham Yavitz typo. Chacham Yavitz was during the Spanish Inquisition. He says... Only one in a hundred philosophers is preoccupied with Torah and mitzvahs. And even those few are ambivalent, mm-hmm. as in general. Then he says the Jewish philosophers during the Inquisition were the first to convert, mm-hmm. whereas the simple folk, imbued with simple faith, refused to succumb. Makes sense. Okay. Says Rav Haigon, those who say to you that, that, that one will attain knowledge of Torah through philosophy, do not listen to them. And know that they have satisfied the truth. For you will not they you will not have fear of sin. Alacrity, modesty, and holiness, except among those who are preoccupied with mission Torah. But the basic point is that if you have very simple faith, then you're able to do certain things. And if you get to be too smart, it's not going to work. So we gotta understand exactly in other words, if you if you really think you're smart, you're not gonna go anywhere. So so how is Where's the where's the that coming out of not being too clever, but if you're really clever, if you're philosophizing, you can fall down. So this is where the test hinges in this area. So we can to continue. Okay, so let's take a look at the May Shiloh, the Ishbitzer Rebbe, and this is really getting to the next step. We understand why it's a test because Avram lacked a certain clarity. Now, if you're a truthful Jew, even if you don't... Uh, now, philosophers think they understand everything, right? And guess what? If you understand everything, you wind up going off the derrick. But people who don't understand, yet somehow stay. So, how is this happening? What's going on? So, source 16. The Meshelach says, In in the Soyen shall ha-keda. This, uh, and you got the English all there. They got a Hebrew yeah. and English. Yes, all this, the whole thing. For some reason, Hebrew is much shorter than English. Well, of course. Anyway, this re- reveals the great faith Avram had with Hashem. He sent him, you'll have children as much as the stars. He says, I will keep my covenant with Yitzchak. On the one hand. He says, bring him up as an offering. Imkol zeh hemin bedvarim rishonim. 
Kamami caught him. He believed the first words, just like before. Vlal nafleso. They didn't fall from him. Amuna. This is an amuna. Ain that a person cannot comprehend. So what's going on over here? He believed both words. He believed both words. He believed the first words. He believed the second words. How could you do that? He believed whatever Hashem told him. She did not get an explicit command to slaughter his son. Didn't say slaughter him. It doesn't say Hashem which is the attribute of kindness, but Elohim, the attribute of justice. It doesn't say but Elohim. He had a vision of that was, there's two expressions. One is very clear and one is not clear. And when it comes from Yud Hei Vav Hei, it's clear. Elohim, it's not clear. He did not have a clear vision. Okay, where am I up to now? That's a Zohar says this. And there it says Elohim, which is Lush and Tukufas, a stronger language that's why the, the test is not considered to Yitzchak why? because what was Yitzchak told? my father told me that God said I have to get killed so it's clear as day again that's not a test when your father tells you this is what God says it's not a test you know exactly what you're supposed to do exactly what the Kashnitzer Magid said beforehand. But, okay, uh, so that's why, he knew it came from Hashem. So, as far as Yitzchak knows, there's no test. It was clear to Yitzchak what to do, even though. Rak Lavram Hayanisan was a test for Avram. So Hayo first. It wasn't clearly said to him. Okay? It's it seems that's what God said. And Shum And if he had any bias that a father would have for a child, that bias would force him to have mercy. Because the truth is, really, God's real intent was not to slaughter him. But the test was just to Avram's eyes. Okay? In other words, Hashem purposely gave a message that wasn't clear. It was not clear. But it would most likely be, again, when we were all looking at, go bring him up as an offering, obviously you'd think, why would God tell me this? Would he tell me just to bring him up and not slaughter him? Honestly, if if I tell you, um, meet me, let's say, um, somebody, your friend calls you up, I'm at Sobeys, I don't have my wallet. Please come. Okay, so what do you think it means? Did she tell you to bring a wallet? Then you come, I said, I was just testing you. 
You lie, you lie. You. What do you mean I didn't tell you? You have to give. Do anything. I just told you to come. I just want to know if you're really my friend. Gosh. <laughs> now, then why didn't you just tell me why? That it wouldn't be a test, would it? I, I'm in service. I don't have my wallet. Can you come? But then again, how hard is that for you to bring your wallet for your friend to give $100? You know? Uh, what if your friend says, I've been captured by Hamas, and they are willing to take a substitute? Please come. Will you come? <laughs> what does that mean? I didn't say that you're going to be substituted, did I? So that's really what Hashem was saying. So, so we could say maybe this is not arguing around the Rambam. He clearly heard what he heard, right? But Hashem tricked him. <laughs> but you know, but it doesn't mean. But Hashem made it in a tricky way. But here's the point. So you hear this. Now, now we're talking about, okay, the first case wasn't so serious. She brought your wallet, it's fine. Second one, you really, really think it. So now, she says, okay, I want you to take Yitzchak up there and go bring him up onto the altar as an old. Now, if God would have said, for example, I want you to take a, a sheep and bring it up to the altar, unless it was a really hot day and sheep were very expensive, no, I'll do it. Yeah. But now, is the way Hashem said it, is there any possible way that your bias and the love for your child can have you maybe interpret what God said in a way that suits your bias? Yeah. And couldn't we also say, after all, it says in the Torah, thou shalt not kill and after all, Child God already said that my against. descendants will come from Yitzchak. So, fighting so, against paganism but, with child sacrifice. But, 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 but on the other hand, but, 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 but it seems that Hashem is saying you should sacrifice your, your, your son. But what is definitely in the middle of all this? A parent's love for a child. And a parent's love for a child is a reasonable bias. And it's a way to find a way. Well, it didn't exactly say that I had to kill him. So, you know, maybe I'll just go up and I won't do anything. That's not what he did. He went up, he bound him up, he drew, and his intent was to kill him. Even though the bias would certainly say not to kill him. Let me just finish before we take any more questions. So you can understand what the test is over here. So what we're talking about before saying uh, from the Kushnitzer Magid is saying that uh, he is um, not clear. He's lacking a clarity of what to do. He says, this is the God of kindness? God is a God of kindness. That's the God I taught the world. And now I'm just not sure what God really wants me to do. 
Now that's reasonable doubt. What do you mean Hashem said, wait a minute, he didn't, he didn't exactly say it 100%, there's no way to wiggle out of it. He gave wiggle room. Right. And by giving wiggle room, you're entitled to wiggle. Yeah. So, okay, so God, but, but why would God ask me to put him up onto the altar? Just to put him up there? Well, I could just say you only told me to put it up to the altar, right? So, uh, you know, so, and there's all kinds of ways where we just, well, I, I didn't exactly go against what you said because you didn't exactly say this and that. So this was where the doubt came in the form that the prophecy was not a 100% lock because the truth of the matter is Hashem purposely made it that way. Right. He purposely made it that way. Where you'd figure, now, so what's going to decide? You're not sure what to do. And this is why the name of the class is What to Do When You're Not Sure What to Do. Hold on, I will get you, but I have to finish this whole idea. And then it brings another thing, which is in this week's Parsha. Uh, so, again, so where am I up to over here? Okay. Kiba MS, because the truth is, Hashem did not want him to shaft him. Just today. And that's when he prayed for stone and he said, I am offer for Afer. I am but dust and ashes. What does he mean, dust and ashes? Very interesting. Dust, you can plant something in dust. But in ashes, you can't plant anything. And what he was saying about, but I'm dust and ashes and I'm pleading for stone, what Avram is saying is, I'm not really sure if what I'm pleading for is the right thing or not. If I'm pleading for them to live and they should live, and then I'm, I'm dust. dust because we've planted something good. Mm -hmm. But if I'm pleading them to live and they and should not ashes. live, then I'm ashes because they're going to kill other people and that you can't bring back. So Abram is in the same... So, so he's praying. Okay, so that's up to God there. He can pray and God's going to decide what to do. This is worse. It's not just a prayer. It's a decision. Now, in the decision to what he's going to do with Yitzhak, he is dust and ashes. If he does the right thing, if the right thing is to kill him, if it is to kill him and it's the right thing, then he's dust. Because that Hashem will obviously do something good will come out of it. But if God tells me not to kill him, to kill him, and he didn't want me to kill him, and I kill him, now it's going to be ashes. And the reverse. In other words, this is a good old no-win scenario. I have to make a decision. Can't get out of it. Either I will kill him or I will not. He doesn't know the third option. That is going to change his mind. He does not know the third option. So now, if I list, if I list, so there's four, one of four things can happen. Each one has an upside and a downside. Well, well, really only one is good and the three are bad. Well, no, two are good, two are bad. Yeah. It could be that God did not want me to kill him. And I won't kill him. That's great. Yeah. But then again, I might, yes, kill him. Why? Because maybe God does want me to kill him. And if I kill him, that's great. But if I don't kill him, then that's bad. But you got to do something. I don't know what God wants me to do. That's when it's a test. Yeah. Now, what's the test? The test the is what you want. make sure you have no bias. That's the test. Is there a bias? And be smart enough to see the bias. 
And Avram says, I see the bias. It's my son, and I cannot allow the bias to make that decision. I will take the bias out. In other words, what if it's not my kid? Take all those feelings that I have, that I know, Avram says, is going to twist my mind here. Now, if it's not my kid, so now how would I feel? If, the, if I, it's not my child, so now what would be more likely? More likely, God said, bring him up as an old. It's less likely to say, he just wants me to bring him up and do nothing. That doesn't right. make sense. Yeah. You follow? Yeah. And that is the test. The other tests, it's just, will you listen to God or not? It was clear. Lech lecha. It was very clear. Leave. Because Hashem didn't cloud it. And that was, that was the test. I'm giving you the test. You want to leave? You think you're going to lose your money? I promise you won't. It's no doubt what Hashem wanted from him. God made a hunger in the land. One thing's where there's no doubt he was testing him and didn't want him to go back. To go to Egypt's another story. But he, it was obviously a test. Right? When Pyro takes it, he knows what God wants him to do. Not to doubt Hashem and to go forward. To fight against the four kings. When 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 God when Sarah says, Go marry Hagar, and Hashem says, Yeah, listen to her. She says, Throw them out. Yes, listen to her. Uh, circumcise yourself. It's clear what God wants. In everyone, he's really clear. So it's a test, but not this kind of a test. And now we can understand why this test is so much harder. Everything else, it's, it's clear. If God would have said without a doubt, if Hashem would have said to Avram, take Yitzhak, slit his throat, behead him, then he would have done it without a question. Because he already did enough things that were hard. But Hashem purposely made it difficult. And now what's the only way he's going to come to the true understanding of what the will of God is? Is to take the bias out. And if you take the bias out, that is the great test that we have in life. To be able to overcome those biases. Nate, before you, I didn't forget about you. Let me just give one more example of this, maybe a little better. Let's say you're coming home. And we'll pick the husband always because this works better. And you really are hungry. You are really hungry. You are really hungry. And your uh, your wife's got a sizzling steak on the on the fire, whatever. And uh, or your whatever. And then she realizes, you know, I just got a call, and they said the hechsher on this steak, the rabbi who gave the hechsher. There's some questions about it. He says, what do you mean? He's an Ehrlich Now you're starting to sizzle. He, he, he's, he's an Ehrlich He's a very... I just saw him yesterday. I just saw him giving tzedakah. He's so sweet. He's speaking so nicely. What's Russian horror about this person? Who said this? Well, well, certain rabbis say it's not a good idea to buy from him and this and that. Yeah, but but when I went into the store to buy the mint, there's big hexer, C-O-R, all over the place. Right? But, 
you know, or, or let's say it wasn't your wife, somebody else told you this. Maybe you heard it, you just got a better example. You got a text message while coming work. Did you hear that capture this guy's not good? And you come home and you see the steak is made with this guy's hapshir. Then you start thinking, you know, my wife, she's not so easy to deal with. And if she is gonna see, she made a steak and this and that, and I'm not gonna eat it, she's not gonna be happy, even if I say it's because of a hapshir. So it's so biased. It's not for my benefit. Yeah. Now let's let so now it's a real test. Now what's the bottom line? What's the real problem here? You want the steak. You have a you are a man who likes a steak and potatoes. Let's that's now can you make the decision by taking that bias out? Because that bias comes from the heart, and when things come from the heart, it damages rational judgment. So therefore. That is a test that we all can understand. And Avram understood there was a bias. Or, I'll give you another example. You know, I keep hacking away, you know, you have to listen to what the rabbi tells you, listen to what the rabbi, you always have to listen to what the rabbis tell you, whatever they say. And then you, you hear a, a story, how a very big, prominent, orthodox rabbi is caught doing despicable things. It happens from time to time. Indeed. Okay, like despicable things. So he says, you know what? My faith in the rabbis is a little bit shaky. Yeah, but we're not talking about that. We're talking about other rabbis. That doesn't matter. All right. Now you're telling me, the rabbis are telling me not to have, a, to have a, 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 an iPhone? But that rabbi went and did you a lot worse than an iPhone. And he was one of the guys who signed not to use an iPhone. So uh, what do they know? I'm just saying there is certain biases over here, yeah. right? And hmm. Hashem always makes these kinds of tests for us, always working on our biases. And it's hard to take the bias out and err on the side of listening to Hashem. In other words, even though you're not absolutely certain but if you take the bias out of the equation and then you daven the Hashem that you don't err in judgment, that's what you're supposed to do. Follow? So this now becomes a... And that's where most of our tests in life come from. If something's black and white, certain tests you're not going to do. It's black and white. And, it, and if since it's so black and white, that minimizes the test. But that, but for it to be a test, Hashem has to throw in a good bias. And with that bias, that's where the lack of clarity comes from. And Hashem will always test you when there's a lack of clarity. And whatever that, and it's always going to hit on your particular bias. And that really is really what we said last week. You have to change your nature because part of your nature is the bias. But often it's just you're not sure what to do. So now you gotta seek guidance. But what do I have to ask? I know what I should be doing. Well, why didn't you wanna find it? Because there's that bias that's only you not to give into that. And that's what every Jew inherits from our Okay, now you're so patient. Please oh, ask first. It's still okay. part three. We'll see if you're we get not, to it or not. not biased, but okay, you, you did answer my question in part. But when I think about and I'm gonna use the Sobe's example here. So somebody said, calls me up, I need $300. That same friend calls you up the following week. 
I've got a flat tire, the tow truck driver's here, I need $300 to pay this person, I don't bring my credit cards, and I go, no, 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 I'm not gonna get caught by another test. So my question is, isn't it sort of creating a cloud of doubt? Is that the bias you refer to, this, that we have a cloud of doubt because we, you know, because it was a test, I didn't get a clear message. Well, the second time, I'm talking about a common person like myself, that it would We're not talking about the second time, we're talking about the first time. This was Avram's test. But the other person, what will make it a test? I didn't, I, what would make it a test? When a person calls and comes to Sobers, what would make it a test? Will they come or not? What? They Will they come with the, with the wallet? No. Or no. you call three people, see what they say? Who would be calling you? And, and pick the the one person who didn't invite you to their bar mitzvah last week. Oh, oh that's where your bias is. So okay. And you invited her to all your simchas, all seven of them. And she's making one simcha. Two weeks ago, and everyone was telling how great that wedding was. Oh, you weren't about. Oh, I'm sorry. And as she calls and says, "You know, I'm at Sobeys, and I don't know." So you, you're obviously. Are you going to say, "Well, she didn't tell me that I have to give her any money, so I'm going to go to Sobeys without my wallet." <laughs> and you're going to come and say, "Oh, good. Can you pay?" But you never told me that I had to pay. You just told me to come. Right? That's where the biases come. How often? I, I, I was a victim last week of somebody not judging me favorably. And, it was, and that was that person's test. I, I mean, I'm, I'm already <laughs> so <good>? jaded. None <laughs> of these things bother me anymore. Maybe 20 years ago would have bothered me. Whatever. It's, it, 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 I, I can't say it a lot. I don't want to... It, it's somebody I did a lot of favors for. A lot of favors for. And the person perceived that I had forgotten to do something for them because they sent me an email. And when you send an email, for sure the other person always gets it, right? Hmm. Never gets lost in cyberspace. Never. And the person asked for me to do something. I never got the email. And I didn't do it. And the person starts telling a bunch of other people, you know, the rabbit doesn't like me. He, he, he didn't. He didn't do what I was a simple request. So you know, of course, my wife gets to hear about this. She says, "Yassi, Yassi, just." Yeah. I said, "I never got the just, just you know, suck it up and you know, tell the person." Oh, I'm serious. I'm saying, why didn't the other person judge me fairly? Because they got other biases that they had to deal with. So instead, you know, they spoke Russian horror and this and that and all these. And then I had a test because I was, my Yetzer wants me to be really upset and say, why should I, why should just, 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 you know, act as if everything's fine. You know, so we all got our, our biases, our, what do you call, our emotional somber. But what's not, but if we take the bias out, okay, then, you know, you know, for example, when my wife wanted to give her kidney away, I did not want her to give the kidney away. I want I got a lot of good reasons. Because I only got one wife. Yeah. She got two kidneys, but I only got one wife. You know, and uh, 
whatever, all kinds of reasons I had. But then at the end, when, when we went to Rabbi Lowy and he said, you should do it, okay, still a test. But uh, then you have to say, well, what's my bias? My bias is I'm selfish. I don't want anything to happen to my wife. If my wife would get sick, then I'd get stuck having to take care of a sick woman and this and that. And that's what the, I, had, I have a bias. It's not a terrible bias, but still a is bias. That, is that correct? Bias so you else. have to get over that bias. And even till today, we have, what do you want to say, emotionally and physically suffered from that, yeah. okay, which I will not get into details. But it was a, a lot more than just giving the kidney and then say goodbye and there's nothing else to talk yeah, about. It. Sure. It's in the past or not. There's like all kinds of um, post-repercussions yeah. that you have to live with the rest sure. of your life. But at the end of the day, it was the right thing to do. But that, that made it a test because it was hitting on my bias. Well, is this really the Ratz Hashem? Why can't someone who's 30 years old give one? Why is it right. got to be somebody who's uh, 60 years old? You know, and you know, what if, uh, you know, it doesn't go. There's a lot of reason to not. So that was, you know, not easy. My wife, she has like, I don't want to say a death wish, a pain wish. You know, that's whatever. A wish that I have to be useful and after this and that. Whatever, whatever it is, she had a bias, you know, and, and psychologically, you know, What's going through my mind? You have to be able to look at yourself and say, oh, so my wife loves Rabbi Segula more than she loves me. Because she's willing to give him a kid. What does she ever give me of that nature? But that's how your yates are hard work. Like, like if something <laughs> if something goes wrong, I'm saying if something goes wrong, I'm the one who has to deal with it, right? But she's gonna do what she wants, and I just stand by the side. Well, that's not for you know, for a man, that's not exactly an exciting uh, prospect. So there is a bias, okay? But at the end of the day, when Rabbi Lowy says to do it, okay, that's like, uh, well, what, somebody else, what? Okay, you gotta look at your bias and say, no, I have to go through it, and that's it. And uh, and that, that's what the nature of tests are. So you wanna go on vacation, I wanna go on vacation, you know, think I, I don't, the title of vacation, I work hard, so at least wanna have a little time off. Yes, I understand that. But what's going, how can you be so indifferent to all the other Jews? Well, let everybody else, I'll be right back in the, just, just 10 right days. Back. I'll be back suffering with everybody else. <laughs> it's, there's a bias. I'm willing to suffer a little bit on vacation too. Yeah, I'm just saying, I'm saying that there's a bias. So that, that becomes the test. Okay, anyway, that's part two. Okay, so you understand, I'm going through the mechanics of this to realize what's really a test and what's really not a test. So one thing is your nature, to change your nature, but what's the hardest part of change is seeing the, staring down the bias and taking it out of the equation. And once you take it out of the equation, then even if you're still not sure what's the better thing to do, you still dive into Hashem and, and, you, and you pray that you've done the right thing. So Rabbi, were the previous ten, nine tests with clarity? Well, one thing was sure. He knew exactly what Hashem wanted for right. him. The question is, would he be willing to do it? So why are they called tests then if we're saying Well, there te there's a test, but not this kind of test. Uh -huh. You know, and there's, and even with that, I mean, how, I mean, God told him to do it. But, you know, really, so God, you tell me I'm going to be prosperous when I'm leaving? That's a hard one to believe. Okay, you're telling me to believe it. Fine. But now, 
you know, uh, th there's so much lack of clarity because God is contradicting himself. Mm -hmm. I was just wondering whether that's There's why... no contradiction in any of the other tests, so to speak. I was just wondering whether that's why in the very first source it said tested and I, we asked, did they use the word tested in the previous knowing? No. So I'm so, saying maybe that's why they use the word tested. But, but I guess you have to say there's time. different levels of tests because the, obviously the Mishnah in, in Pirkei says he was tested ten times. Right. So there's different levels of tests. But clearly this was a test beyond everything else. Right. Because this really focused uh, where he could have really, he, he didn't even know, know what, what he is supposed to do. Yeah. That's a whole different level of test. It's a, it's a simpler test. You know what you're supposed to do. Okay. But obviously Avram got to the point where that's not enough. We got to test him in a way that's beyond any other way. And that's why you can say, if you don't pass this one, then the other is kind of like a waste. Because now you have to really be able to push out your bias. And when you don't know what to do, what do you do? Right. You got to do something. You can't just do nothing. So, so what do you do? You, you take the bias out. Now, obviously, the Jewish people are being tested very strongly now. We are Jews are pretty nice people. Even the secular Israelis compared to the uh, to the to the what, Hamas, we're really angels. Oh, absolutely, uh, we're angels. And why why is the whole world hate us? And there's, there's a lot of tests going on over here. And a lot of people could say, you know, maybe I don't want to have a Muslim on my door. Why should I have this? So it's hard to understand. We're the chosen people. Understand? We're the chosen people. We're so good. And look what happens to us. So that's uh, not easy. All right, now the problem is I only have six minutes left. So how are we gonna finish this last piece? So I'm gonna just try to uh, to get the, the last point over here. And I'm just gonna say this briefly without all the great details over here. But uh, with Avram Avin, so, so Rav Hutner, he says, okay, so what do we learn from the test of Avram? Well, obviously, one thing we learn is he was being Moser Nefesh. He was willing to sacrifice. That's clearly something you learn from that. But there's also something much deeper than that. And that is that a lot of times that if you're willing to sacrifice, but, you're, but you'll grumpitate about it while you're sacrificing. Yeah. Grumpitate, I like that. You know, it's like, uh, you know, that, uh, okay, I'm going to do it, but this doesn't make any sense. It doesn't make any sense. And uh, I'm, I'll listen, but I'm not happy with it. Now, Avram could have done that. And that would have been asking questions a little early. He could have said, God, I don't understand. What do you want from me? You tell me, to, you tell me not to. Okay, I'll do it anyway. But uh, I'm really not happy about this. Okay, and that is what we learn from the arcade over here. Because there's a lot of times when we have to serve Hashem, we see all contradictions over here. And they don't always get answered. And the point is, can you go ahead and behave like a Jew even when the questions aren't answered? Or better yet, they don't need to be answered. And to say, you know what? I got questions, but that doesn't change the way I'm going to behave, and it's not going to change my attitude. Remember, the Talmud says Yaakov got up early in the morning to do it. 
What do you mean early? Avram. Avram got up. Why early? Because if you really like doing mitzvahs, you get up early. If you, if you like going to shul, you come 15 minutes early. If you don't, you come 15 minutes late. Okay, you're going to kill your son. Okay, I'll get around to it. Oh, I overslept. Oh, a little more time. Oh, he, goes, he just jumps right in. He gets up early, guys. Come on, guys. Early crack of dawn. Let's go. Where are we going? I'll tell you. We're going to... Wait a minute, but what about these questions? So he, he, he goes with great joy in doing the will of Hashem. And that's the double expression over here. That's why it's where it says, because you have done this thing and you really had the answer, Paul. Because you have done this thing and did not withhold your son. That you did it. And then because you hearkened to my voice. Listening to the voice is what do you really want? Not just to do it, but to know I'm doing the right thing. Even if you're not sure. But you think, I'm pretty sure this is the will of Hashem, so I'm going to go and do this. And this is very interesting. Why, uh, there's an interesting principle. As the Talmud says, if you have two verses that contradict each other, Shneik suvim apoim amachachishim says, one verse says this, and one says the exact opposite. What's the rule? Wait a for a third verse to, clear to clarify that's one of the 13 hermunic principles of studying Torah. But if it's a way of studying Torah, that means it's a way of living your life as well. And what's the classic example of this? It's Avram. Avram was told that your children are going to be all from Yitzhak. It's one puzzle. One says that, kill your son. It's another puzzle. Okay, what was the third one? Take him down. You only bring him, but not to kill. Third one was explained that. So, interesting. That's a hermeneutic principle of Talmud, how to learn ta- how to learn Torah. Here's the question. What if you have two contradictory psukim and you don't have a third well, one? Well, he had to act before he got the third one. second. What if you don't have a third one? Yeah. What do you do? Well, it's not a Talmudic principle, so you're not allowed to operate with that. Which means, God tells you to do one thing. He says, listen, Yitzhak's going to be your child. Okay, fine. Now go, go bring him up as an offering. I'm not allowed to ask questions. It's not a, there's no Talmudic principle operating here. I just say, okay, I'm going to do it. Yeah, but wait a minute, there's a country, but there's no Talmudic principle to learn anything from. You just do it. That's why he didn't ask any questions beforehand, because he wasn't allowed to. God says one thing, that's the truth. God says another thing that's the opposite. That's also the so truth. Only once he got the but third. there's an answer. There's an answer. Well, I don't know what the answer is. But I guess got to do what I'm told. So once he got the third, he could ask. But one, ah, but once the third comes, it says, don't take him down. Take him down. What? Yeah, because I never told you to kill him. Now you could start asking questions because now it's a Talmudic principle. Now you could say, Hashem, why were you doing all this? You see, what does that mean to say? So, so Hashem is telling us, you know, you should go and study Torah. You know? And what if Chasm Shalom, somebody goes to study Torah in Israel and they die? Chasm And we had stories of that with the Hebrew massacres. It's only two psukim. Can't ask any questions. Mashiach comes. Then you can discuss it with God. When Mashiach comes and you see your child is, or your family member is, is back alive, 
Because okay, now I'd like to, now the third Pasuk has come and resolved it, so now I'd like to understand what's going on, because now I'm entitled to understand. So this is really the challenge. The challenge that we, what we're all going through is, we, gotta, we, we know that there are contradictions of what Hashem wants, but just because there's a contradiction, why should that stop me from wanting to do what the real will of Hashem is? So again, when some of us have to decide, do I let my child go back to Israel? Do I not let my child go back? Do I bring them back and back? I'm not judging anybody, but I'm saying whatever decision you make, you have to know there's a bias, and you don't know which decision is the right decision. They should be learning in Israel, yes, but they're in danger they could die. They haven't done the mitzvah of Puravu, whatever. I mean, there's there's things to look on both sides. There's a contradiction going on. Uh, oh, we're the most protected in Israel, yeah? Well, explain to me how 1,500 people got raped and murdered in that. Tell me how protected they were, huh? How no my kids like that? Good question. But you know what? You've got to make a decision. So how do you make the decision? Take the bias out. It was somebody else's kid. What would you tell them? That's how you, you know, when am I going to get an answer? Not going to answer. But be happy with the decision. And only later when the chef comes and you can ask all the questions. Okay.